0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.eg is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get all the latest playoff odds and lines, including the latest player reports. This your pro basketball playoffs bet online is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball mlb nhl hockey right to ufc and boxing bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action make sure to use our promo code bleed that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit Bet online where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, it's Boston Globe columnist Chad Finn. We preview the draft, take a look at some immediate areas of need for Bill Belichick in New England, and offer some opinions about Mac Jones and where he stands heading into season three. That's all up right now on the Patriots Report. All right, Chad. Like we say this every single year, but this feels like a very important draft for Belichick along the lines maybe of 2010, 2012. It feels like they need to get some sort of instant infusion of talent. They can't afford to swing and miss, at least on the higher picks. What's your take as we sit here a day before the draft, Wednesday, a day before the draft kicks off?
1: Uh, I just want to have, I want to pick to be excited about. Cole Strange might turn out to be a terrific player, but that felt like kind of a letdown last year. Picking a guard, uh, being up high in the draft, relatively high this year, which is an unusual spot for them over the last uh, you know twenty plus years, uh, feels like a real opportunity to get someone who can come in and immediately help and maybe sell a few jerseys and uh, add uh, another dynamic talent to the roster, whether it's a receiver, cornerback, or i would be all right with the tackle too, if there's one they like there, because you know we we know the importance of the offensive line. But um, it it feels like uh, feels like a a golden opportunity to, to add somebody who brings real skill to the roster, which frankly, compare compared to the the rest of the AFC East, it's uh, something they're lacking.
0: So, if all things are equal, and there is a similar talent at tackle, cornerback, wide receiver what direction would you like to see them go oh boy
1: i i mean it's a weird draft chris because i don't like any of the quarterbacks completely and they're mm-hmm. all going to go really high i mean Bryce Young is a wonderful player but he's small mm-hmm. uh, so y- you don't know how that's going to translate even though he has every physical skill and intangible other than size And the rest of them have real questions. Uh, CJ Stroud and and Will Levis and uh, and Richardson wasn't as productive as his ability would make you think at Florida. And all these guys are going to be picked super high. I saw one mark draft today say maybe they go one through four. And that's crazy to me. But for the Patriots, that could leave an opportunity where a really talented player slides down to them that maybe they're not anticipating getting. I don't doubt it's like Christian Gonzalez or – witherspoon who i really love and really sounds like he would be a, a terrific fit with the patriots or somebody like that but um if they could get a cornerback that they're not expecting to get or you know S- smith and jigba is uh just a you look at him you say that's a that's a dynamic receiver who could help the patriots immediately but do you go receiver that high when you uh, you know, sign Smith-Schuster to essentially be uh, the slot guy, and Gasicki's going to take some of those snaps, too. Uh, there's just so much mystery around this because a lot of things they could do and a lot of things that could be super appealing, but um, feels like there's a lot of risk, too. you have a favorite guy that you want them to pick?
0: Well, I have a favorite guy, but a later rounds guy. not not a Not an early round guy. I want them to go, if they're at 14, When we all know, look, they're not going to stick at 14, but if they stick at 14, for whatever reason, (laughs) I'm thinking that they're going to end up with a tackle. They're going to, this is a tackle heavy draft. There are a lot of guys who project to be able to execute at the NFL level um, at a consistent basis. I think they want Nate Solder. They want a guy who they can just stick out there for a decade and not worry about and improve the protection around Mac and allow Mac to go from here to here. Because as we all know, and we've seen this before, great offensive line can make a bad quarterback look good and a good quarterback look great. Look, we saw it in the right. Super Bowl. J- Jalen Hurts is very, very good, but the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is world-class. And so I think that's the direction. It also honestly fits with my idea of the post-Brady era, even though we're, you know we're still talking about the post-Brady era. I still think Bill wants to follow the Mike Shanahan model – that he put out in Denver after Elway, where it's big, tough, physical running game. You get those, you know, you get a classic offensive line, and you have interchangeable backs behind him, and you take your chances with a Bubby Brister or a Mac Jones or you with know, <laughs> a blank Bubby Brian Greasy. Is
1: that what Mac is? Is he Brian Greasy? I look, I you know, I think Mac
0: could be a Brian Greasy-esque type of player. I I think he could be that guy. And and I want to, this actually leads me to to my next question here. I remember Anthony Pleasant told me that you are who you are after three years in the league, that you're a star, you're a complimentary player, you're a practice squad, or whatever the case may be. You're fully formed after three years in the league. And we're hitting year three with Mac. What do you think of Mac's chances this year when it comes to his overall development and him getting to where I think the Patriots want him to be?
1: Well, that's a great question because he's going into year three, but I feel like he's only had one year on a, a, as a part of an NFL team because of uh, how he was let down last year. I mean, we've talked about it endlessly, um, the decision to make Matt Patricia the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach and uh, you know, overwhelm him in a job that he just, wasn't capable of handling um it wasn't fair to mac and i think mm-hmm. it, as much as it's been discussed i think it's a little bit underestimated still that the the uphill battle that he had to have just to have a competent offensive game plan in his second year in the nfl i i just threw an x through season 2 on his uh, straight line through it on his pro football reference page because uh i don't know how many Veteran quarterbacks could have thrived in the circumstances that he was in last year. Let alone someone in his second season who's surrounded by pretty good talent, but not elite talent. You have to be, uh, you have to have a, a great game plan and um, uh, uh, a, a lot of trust and a lot of people around you to be able to uh, have a, a, a excellent offense with what they had for talent and. He just didn't have any of that in terms of the coaching staff, so i i cross uh, i cross last year off with him. But I just don't know what to expect going into year three. Is he damaged from what happened last year? It's clear Bill's pissed at him a little bit, uh, and it's changed his perception. Um, what is he capable of doing here after essentially having that that hiccup of a season last year, where he really had no chance?
0: So you're saying the most important newcomer is not Mike Gesicki or Juju Smith-Schuster or Riley Reef, but it's Bill O'Brien?
1: Yeah, it's got to be right. I mean, he at least we know he's competent, good, right? Good offensive coordinator. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how his temperament and Max go together or clash. But we know he can do the job. We've seen him do it here in New England, and that is just such. Competence is such an enormous upgrade on what they had last year um, with just Belichick's failing of putting Patricia in that role and uh, the, the, the laughing stock that their offense was at points last season. Um, so I, I, I think just from that competence that Bill O'Brien brings, whether or not he's excellent uh, is going to be an enormous upgrade, but in terms of uh, on the field, you know, I like what they've done. I like Smith Schuster. I, I, like Jacoby Myers was a nice player and a great guy, but uh, he, he had his flaws, too. He was limited, you know, no yards after the catch or anything like that. Um, I think they've gotten a little bit better talent-wise on offense, and there's a chance they enhance this Thursday night. So, um, yeah, I, I I feel better about what they have. I, I want to ask you one question, actually, because there's a, a little bit of smoke around this from reporters that I respect. Um, do you think there's anything – to the Bijan Robinson stuff, anything yeah. at all?
0: Yeah. Really I do. do. I do. I, I think that Bill ultimate look, we can sit here and say tackle, cornerback, you know, draft, you know, biggest needs that they have. More often than not, he goes after hit the you know, the, the best player available. Yeah. And if yeah. Bijan Robinson is there at 12, 13, I think he does it. I do. I, I think he pulls the trigger there because look, he, he's a special talent. And again, look. People will say, "Well, what about Ramondre Stevenson? Stevenson is 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 a great young player, but the ability to have those two backs and maybe do a few different things with them, I, I think appeals to him." And I look; I, it also goes back to my favorite Bill Belichick stat of all time: that he has never had a running back going all the way back to Cleveland and Tommy Vardell and you know, <laughs> Eric Metcalf. He's never had a running back rush for a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons, ever. You know. That's wild. It, yeah, and it's looking, and he cycled through, you know, you go all the way back to Antoine Smith, who was the closest, who rushed for a 1,000, over a 1,000 yards in 2001, and then hit like 957, I think it was, in 2002. Never had a guy go back-to-back, back, and maybe he's setting us up for that, but look, yeah, I, I think the B. John Robinson thing has legs. I also think, too, that there's a guy out there, there's an Alabama guy out there who, as a running back, I think appeals to him as well, and that's Jameer Gibbs. The kid, for, you know, who a uh, really a multi dimensional talent. I had Eric Edholm on the podcast earlier, and he compared him a little bit to Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. And with the It'd understanding... Right. Yeah, yeah. With, with the understanding that the Patriots don't have... They don't have that third down back. They don't have the James White, Shane Vereen, Deion Lewis type. Maybe he fills that role. Maybe the Patriots end up trading up in the second round because I don't think Gibbs is a first rounder, but maybe at the end of the first round, early second, maybe Gibbs is that guy. But yeah, I think ultimately to answer your question... I think if they had a shot at him, a feasible shot, a, a realistic shot at Bijan Robinson, I, I think they go get him.
1: Yeah, you think he's gone by then, though?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. But but again, if he falls, and you know, you you get a situation where the the four quarterbacks go off the board, and the first four, the first five, then you start to entertain that thought. I, I do. I I think it's fascinating, and I think there's a lot of those guys out there. My my other guy is. My my mid-round guy, maybe late-round guy, is a kid out of Houston, Tank Dell, who I've been pounding the table for. He is Marcus Jones. A little guy? Yeah, 2.0, yeah. who returns kicks. You know, you can put him a couple different positions on the field. Versatile presence. I, I just – those Deion Lewis, Darren Sproles, Marcus Jones types, I just love those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean it- – they can't do this year what they did with stevenson last year i mean they they burned the kid out um just took an absolute beating with his uh you know in basketball i call it the usage rate where it was either him catching the pass or him running the ball and uh you know not 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 a lot of inventiveness there with how they used him and the predictability of it uh really just led to him taking some abuse last season so um clearly he's uh He's a terrific player, but you also uh, – you, you can't treat him that way. You're not going to have him very long. So I'd be fine with them taking another running back who, uh, you know, if it's not Robinson, at least somebody who can come in and contribute in the passing game immediately. The funny thing is, though, as you know, sometimes the, these guys have to have a redshirt year before they play. Mm-hmm. James White did. Reen did. Um, yeah, It took Kevin Falk a long time to establish himself. I remember writing columns back then saying, get rid of Falk. This is J.R. Redmond's job. So <laughs> uh, uh, if they can find a running back, a young running back, and you know, I know they send James Robinson, but a young one who can come in and enhance that passing game, that would be a, uh, that'd be a real benefit to the offense. They're
0: Got an, S- an SAT-style question for you here when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. And I want to ask you a couple of league questions. You Get your thoughts <laughs> on some, some league-wide things. Aaron Rodgers' career with the Jets will most similarly resemble which of these quarterbacks? Ooh. Joe Namath and the Rams, Brady and the Bucs, Favre and the Jets, or Montana and the Chiefs.
1: Ooh, I think Montana and the Chiefs is the high end of that, right? Well, uh, he, he I mean, Brady, Brady was,
0: yeah, Brady was the guy, who, you know, Brady, I mean, right? You know,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it'll be a disaster in the way Namath was, or like Unitas with the Chargers, uh, where they're just clearly worn out and. Un- physically unable to do it but i know a lot of the metrics with rogers last year leave some question as to whether uh you know has as to how good he actually is at this point i mean uh he won the mvp two years previous to last year so uh it's a pretty high bar that he was setting anyway but clearly he started slipping and i think because of brady we forget how hard it is for these guys to succeed after 40. I mean, it's, it's a very short last list, you know, Warren moon and, uh, far basically. And, um, I think he'll probably be good this year. Uh, after this year, who knows uh, whether he plays or, or what, it you know, what antics he's up to, whether he wants to go host a game show or live in the woods or whatever. But, um, I think he's probably good this year. And, uh, um, I don't know if it makes them a Super Bowl contender like they're thinking New York today, but uh, makes them one of the most appealing teams in the NFL to to see how their season uh, takes shape for sure. I'm going to be interested to see how many primetime games they get. Over under six, I think. I yeah,
0: five I think that makes more. sense. Yeah, yeah, it's going it, to be a lot. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a fun year. To, and, and again, they're going to be a compelling team as you know, as... If if we know anything else about the Jets, we know that they're going to be interesting to watch. So um, I'm curious, as the sports media guy, what channel are you going to be watching on draft weekend? Are you going to be flipping around? Are you going to be sticking with one? You, what's what's the call there? Are you going to be, are, like me, are you going to be listening to the radio, hoping that Mustard and Johnson come back for six hours on Saturday and break down the <laughs> day three of the draft?
1: Well, they were draftniks, Chris. They, they, they like to say that, even though uh, I think they probably heard of most of the picks the, the day they were selected. But, um, yeah, I, I still get so many questions about that show. There's a certain demographic that really misses it. Um, but uh, I usually stick with ESPN. I mean, I have to jump around a little bit because I have to write a, a column afterwards uh, sort of assessing the coverage or, you know, how it went. But the, the reaction of the Patriots pick or something like that. Uh so I, I try to get a feel for both, but my preference is ESPN. Um it's just the one I've been watching my whole life. I mean, it's the one I had on when I'm, you know, sitting on the floor in my girlfriend's apartment watching day two or three or whatever it was back then. And I see uh Tom Brady's name pop up on the screen and think, ah, I remember that guy, Michigan. Uh, that might make a good third stringer here. Um so yeah, I I, I just uh you know, I get a kick out of Kuiper. Um how uh how set in his opinions that he is, he, even if, uh, if he's, uh, it doesn't, he's not afraid to be wrong, but he is when it comes to the Patriots, which is kind of amusing. Like he was way off on the Logan Mankins pick, you know, set a third or fourth rounder. Uh, I remember when Devin was drafted, he said, uh, uh, specialty, probably special teams, Gunner and, you know, uh, the, not not a star cornerback, or net, didn't anticipate him becoming the safety that he was either, which I guess nobody did. But at that point, but um, he's always amusing when the Pats pick, and uh, I like Lewis Riddick a ton. Mm. Uh, just uh, he was he was the guy who was all in on Mahomes when he was drafted, adamant that he was going to be really good. And uh, I like his TV presence and, and his opinion. And I think he's uh, every guy in TV probably thinks they could run a team. I think Lewis actually could. It
0: should. Two guys that I like, two guys who stand out for me more than than anyone else, Daniel Jeremiah, and Todd McShay.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like both of them too. They both do the legwork. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's good to see Todd back doing really well because you know, he had a pretty bad battle with COVID a couple of years ago, uh, knocked him out of the coverage one year, and uh, Jeremiah is just always on top of everything. Um, I'm right. He's one of those guys I first kind of learned about on Twitter. Like, is the move his move the sticks uh, handle? I was like, who's this guy? X Raven scout. Uh, but clearly, through the years, he's really established himself as somebody who's super trustworthy and uh, does his own work and forms his own opinions. And uh, uh, yeah, another good one. I think most of them are really good. There's nobody that uh a, whose opinion I dismiss? Although you know, some some of the hosts like. I thought it was at the best when Trey Wingo was hosting the draft. Yeah. You know, Berman was past, you know, past his uh prime the the last few years that he did it. But I thought Wingo was really good and uh not really a Mike Greenberg guy. He's he's involved in everything over at ESPN, <laughs> it seems like.
0: You got a big project that just came to fruition. Tell people, tell people a little bit about it. Is that the book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I I always keep a copy handy for the cameras.
0: Excellent. Um,
1: As you know, I probably learned that from you with all your books. But uh, um, yeah, we put together long overdue, Chuck the Globe didn't do it before, but it's a compilation of the Globe's baseball coverage through uh, the franchise's history. And the Globe has actually been around 40 something years longer than the Red Sox have. And one of the Great joys, uh, discoveries and putting this together was the Globe covered the Red Sox extremely thoroughly from the beginning. Um, Peter Gammons gets credit for inventing the Sunday Notes column in the 70s, and he certainly perfected it and changed how baseball was covered. But uh, the Globe was doing that in like 1903. I mean, you had 3,000-word game stories on the World Series because there was no other way to uh, you know get your information at that point. So uh, it was really... Fun to discover that every significant moment in Red Sox history had been covered uh, by the Globe and usually club covered uh, thoroughly and significantly and with really high quality writing. So it was a privilege to be uh, asked by my editor to uh, put this project together. And uh, as you know, with all the books that you've written, uh, it's a thrill when it finally comes out. It is, man. There's nothing better than walking into
0: a bookstore or library seeing it on the shelf it's just it's dynamite it, it looks fantastic it does it looks fantastic it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of work and you should be you should be congratulated for it. It, it it's really really impressive man
1: thanks i just pulled the stories and glued some chapters together with uh, little essays um it was uh the publisher was uh black dog and leventhal um designed it and uh put the whole thing together and it's funny because you know we have we've have koji Yuihara on the cover a 10-year anniversary of the 2013 team winning the World Series at Fenway Park in their home whites, so uh, a lot of reasons for that photo. But the the publisher's original choice was Chris Sale uh, because they wanted one from the uh, most recent World Series, and I had an uphill battle, to be honest, uh, getting them to change that. But, but uh, with the help of the editor on the project, who's a big Red Sox fan, Xander Kim, they, they finally said, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, um, it was in the middle of the anti-vax stuff with him. He had just gotten hurt again. And uh, I don't think he was the guy who was going to sell books if he went into Barnes & Noble and saw the cover. <laughs> Fair point.
0: Chad, thank you so much for doing this, man. I know you're really busy, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and hopefully we can hook it up again, too.
1: Yeah, great talking to you, Chris. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to tomorrow night and seeing what the Patriots actually do. It's going to be a great, great – uh broadcast because there's so much suspense with the quarterbacks i think espn and fl network are going to be super pleased with how their their ratings end up
0: it is it's it's going to be it It. we we're always promised oh it's going to be crazy it's going to be wild it's going to be fun and almost inevitably it pays off with something crazy or great or fun to watch so it's always great theater
1: yeah yeah great television product it really is chad thanks so much take care and we'll talk soon sorry right, man take care
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. One more reminder, betonline.eg is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts.